Welcome to this bonus edition of Bible Explained Verse by Verse. Today I wanted to compare the priesthood of John the Baptist with the priesthood of Melchizedek. John the Baptist wasn't called a priest in the Bible, but he actually was born a Levite, and he was the son of a high priest. Zacharias, his father, was a high priest. If you're the son of a high priest, then you become a high priest, according to the Old Testament, which means that John really should have been serving in the temple, according to the law. But instead, he chose to go out in the desert and be a prophet. He didn't choose it for himself, but he was obeying the call of God to go into the desert and be that voice crying out in the wilderness that was prophesied in the book of Isaiah hundreds of years before John the Baptist was born. But when he was out there, in the wilderness prophesying and calling the people to repent like any prophet of the Bible. Not the prophets today, which are actually false prophets, but the prophets in the Bible wore mourning clothes because they knew that if people didn't heed their warning that those people would go to hell. They actually wore mourning clothes for the people who were on their way to hell if they did not repent. And also, every prophet in the Bible always told the people to repent. He lived a life of fasting because all he ate was locust and honey. That's basically a fast. It's a John the Baptist fast, if you want to call it that, because Ezekiel fasted on a special kind of bread, and Daniel fasted on plain food that didn't taste very good, just plain vegetables and beans, and so that's called a Daniel fast. Well, John the Baptist's fast was locust and honey and water, of course. But he just lived out in the wild. He didn't even live in a house. He might have stayed in a cave or he might have had a tent, but he didn't even live in a house. And this was all part of his consecration to the Lord. He lived a very holy and purified life. He forsook everything of the world. He died a virgin. He never got married. He never had kids. He didn't own anything except the coarse, uncomfortable clothing on his back, maybe a staff in addition, and some sandals. And that was it. But I want to point out some things. John the Baptist, being the son of a high priest, the only son of a high priest, literally his job was high priest. But instead of being in the temple where most high priests would go to conduct sacrifices of animals, Jesus called him the greatest prophet who ever lived because he knew that his place was not in the temple because God was sending his only son to be a sacrifice. And when John the Baptist laid eyes on Jesus as an adult, he told his own disciples, There, behold, is the Lamb of God. You know, normally a priest would say, this is the lamb that this person is offering as a sacrifice. But he told his disciples, behold, which means look. Look, that's the Lamb of God. So he was saying, God is bringing his own lamb for us. Instead of us bringing the lamb to God, God is bringing the lamb. God provides, just like Abraham told Isaac when they were walking up the mountain, when Abraham thought that he was going to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham said, God will provide the lamb. And that's exactly what God did in the New Testament. And John the Baptist saw the lamb coming, Jesus, and he said, Behold, the lamb of God. He did what the high priest is supposed to do. A priest is supposed to prepare the people to stand before the Lord. And ultimately, the priest is to prepare us to stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. 
So what did John do? He told us to repent of our sins and be baptized. Now, baptism is not a sign. They tell you in church that it's a sign. It's not a sign. It's a commandment, and it's an act of faith. And when you are baptized in the water, you are believing in faith that you are committed to a new born-again life of forsaking sin and forsaking the world. You're giving the world up. It's not a sign. It's more like a proclamation that you are going to deny yourself and give up your sin and go and follow Christ. When John was telling the people to be baptized, he wasn't saying, oh, dip in water and everything will be great. No, he wasn't telling them that. He was saying, repent. And when you dip in the water, that is you acting out your commitment to repent. Everybody who got baptized by John was doing it in full knowledge that they had already made a decision to repent of their sins. John was already preparing the people for the new covenant, because in the old covenant, you went and made a sacrifice for your sin, knowing that you were going to sin again, and that you were going to have to come back to make another sacrifice, and then you're going to sin again, and then you're going to have to come back. But John said, prepare a way for the Lord. When you come here to be baptized, you are committing to not living in sin anymore. You're giving the world up. He prepared them in that sense to tell them, you need to repent. This isn't a one-day thing. But in the other sense, he was proclaiming to the world, the lamb has come. God has provided this lamb. We don't need to provide our own lamb anymore. And that's why John was not in the temple sacrificing animals, because he knew that the perfect lamb, who was the son of God, was coming. Now, with Melchizedek, he's further back in the Old Testament. And Melchizedek also had a very interesting priesthood. In the New Testament, it says that Melchizedek's priesthood represents the priesthood of Jesus Christ, because Melchizedek was not born in the tribe of Levi. He's completely separate from that tribe. In fact, he wasn't even born of Abraham's seed. He wasn't related to Abraham. Jesus also is high priest eternal, but he was not born in the tribe of Levi. Jesus was born out of the tribe of Judah. Like Melchizedek, he wasn't biologically intended to be a priest, but he became high priest eternal. Now, Melchizedek isn't eternal because Melchizedek was an actual person who lived and died. But in the New Testament, it says that he had no beginning and end, no mother and father. Now, that doesn't mean that he literally was an eternal being. What it's saying is a metaphor, kind of like an analogy. It's saying the Bible never mentions his lineage. It doesn't tell us who his parents are. And the Bible doesn't mention when he was born or when he died. And that represents typology of Jesus Christ. That's how he represents Jesus, because we don't know who his parents were, and we don't know when he was born and when he died. And just like Jesus, Jesus didn't come from an earthly father and mother, because he is God, and he existed before Mary and Joseph were ever born. And Jesus has no beginning and no end, because in the Bible, when it says he's the beginning and the end, it means the beginning and the end of our earthly time. But he's way outside of that, because he created time. Jesus is eternal. Now, what did Melchizedek do? We saw what John the Baptist did. He told the people to repent and be baptized, which is an act of repentance. And he proclaimed, the Lamb of God has arrived. This is why John the Baptist, who was a high priest, had no desire to sacrifice animals. Getting back to Melchizedek, what did Melchizedek do? He brought bread and wine to Abraham, and he blessed Abraham. 
The bread represents the body of Christ. The wine represents the blood of Christ. And Jesus told his disciples, Unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part in me. This is metaphorical. It's not literal. No Christian is a blood drinker. But what he's saying is, when we drink his blood, we're receiving that new covenant of the born-again life. When we eat his flesh, this is spiritual terminology for receiving his word and believing every word that he speaks. His flesh is the word of God. He's the word of God incarnate. Eating his flesh means consuming his word, reading the Bible, listening to him speak in your heart, and believing him and obeying him. Drinking his blood means receiving the born-again life by repenting of your sins and believing that he is alive inside of you. So Melchizedek brought the wine and the bread to Abraham to receive. And unless Abraham had drank the wine and eaten the bread, Abraham would not have been saved. Now I'm speaking metaphorically when I say that, but it's an analogy so that you'll understand. And then Melchizedek blessed Abraham and blessings only come from God. And we're living in the born-again life, you are blessed indeed because you have deliverance from demons, sickness. Now that doesn't mean that everything's perfect and rosy, but you don't have to worry about being sick. Yeah, I've got arthritis, but it doesn't stop me from serving the Lord. It doesn't stop me from doing the things I need to do. I'm not racked in pain. Even if we have something technically wrong with us, we can walk in freedom and peace and healing and deliverance. There's a lot of baggage in my past, but that baggage, because I'm born again now, that baggage is attached to the old man, the old man that I crucified when I repented of my sins. And it only gets resurrected if I go back to sin. Then that old man gets resurrected and all the hurts and all the wounds come back. But as long as I'm denying myself and walking in faith with Jesus in me, I don't have to worry about all that baggage because it's attached to the old man that I have crucified, the old life that I don't live anymore. So as I'm walking in the new life with Christ, I don't carry any baggage. And that's why, even though I was abused in the past, if you talk to me today, you would never know it because the person who exists now has Christ in her. And so what you're interacting with is is Jesus Christ, not my old life. That's why we have to walk the born-again life, and we have to deny ourselves, crucify the flesh, and walk with Jesus alive in us, because that's the only way that we can walk at all. (laughs) Because believe me, if Jesus isn't in you, you are nothing but a basket case. I used to be that way. In the priesthood of Melchizedek, we have eternal blessing. And what is that? That's looking forward to heaven. In Jesus Christ, I have all my future. In Jesus Christ, I have heaven to look forward to. In Jesus Christ, I don't have to worry about sickness and disease. Yeah, I could fall down and scrape my knee. Yep, I could come up with some disease, but I don't have to worry about it. I'm in the palm of God's hand. Everything is in his control. I'm going to do whatever he wants me to do, and I'm going to live as long as he wants me to live. I'm not confined to circumstances. But before I was born again, my life was all about circumstances. Everything handicapped me. But now I walk in freedom. So again, it doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect. I mean, look at John the Baptist. He got his head cut off. Look at Jesus. He was crucified. We're going to get attacked. But in Christ, we can do all things, and we don't have to have any fear or worry at all. 
and there's eternal rewards waiting for us. So whenever you're getting persecuted, and you will get persecuted, if you follow Christ, you will get persecuted. But whenever you're persecuted, you can smile about it, just like Paul said in the New Testament. Because we have a reward waiting for us. That's the blessing of Jesus Christ. And that's the blessing that Melchizedek spoke over Abraham. Jesus is our eternal high priest. He is our perfect high priest. We can go to him for anything and everything. There's nothing that's unimportant to him. It all matters. So don't ever be afraid to take something to your high priest, your personal high priest, Jesus Christ, the perfect priest, who not only performs the service, but becomes the sacrifice for you. And he died so that you can live a brand new life, not live in the old baggage life. He died so that you can walk in freedom, healing, deliverance, wholeness, so that you can have an identity, so that you can have a purpose, and so that you can be full of joy and have heaven to look forward to. Hope that blesses you.